Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, it's Caitlin here, and I am so excited to have with us today Monica Ferry. She's a toilet training expert and educator, and she's going to be interviewing with us on the podcast today. So Monica, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show today. Thank you for inviting me, Caitlin. It's great to be here. Yes. Okay, so we before we get into it, I have to say that I so I potty trained my first kid just within the last six months to a year. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, it went great. And I was, but I have to say before I was feeling really apprehensive about it. I had heard plenty of stories from friends and honestly, some of the stories were like a little bit nightmarish. So I was, I was just like a little nervous. I had read some books and been doing some research that had been some books that had been recommended to me. And honestly, some of the approaches just seemed like a little kind of militant in some ways. And I was just really like gearing up for like clearing out the schedule for the month and like doing nothing else but potty training my kid. And I just kind of had like a lot of stress (laughs) going into it. And I just didn't want to do it wrong. I didn't want to mess up my kid and like have him maybe have issues for the rest of his life. I don't know. I, I had really like worked it up in my head, but I was so grateful because a friend of mine had sent me an interview with you, Monica. Like she had sent me an interview that she had heard with Monica and I listened to it and it was kind of right as I was about to like start this process with my first kid. And it was seriously like a breath of fresh air because your approach, Monica, was like, and many of your insights just really resonated with me. I feel like it just felt a lot more natural and kind of gentler than, um, and it just really gave me some of the direction that I needed to do this process with my little guy. And it kind of gave me the confidence and honestly, the calm that I needed. So I'm really excited for our listeners because um, I know many of our listeners are either currently in the process of potty training or they're about to potty train other kids. Maybe they already have gone through the process with some kids. And so I just feel like As listeners, I think you guys are going to really appreciate some of these insights, and I think you're going to at least find a few tools and ideas that are going to be so, so helpful. Because Monica, seriously, you were like an answer to prayers. I was really grateful that someone had sent this to me. So I'm really excited for our listeners. So thank you again for coming on. (laughs) It's so kind of you to say that. Um, And I'm so glad that that, that's the impact, that that hearing hearing some different perspectives or some different ways to go about it you are exactly the reason why I started the business um, why I started to get into to toilet training and producing resources and and doing things like this because of the level of anxiety that toilet training was bringing to parents and I my, my kids are 28 and 30 so it's a long time ago that I was concerned about toilet training my two Um, and it just seems like in that period of time since I was toilet training my kids that it's become such a huge huge thing and that that didn't sit well with me I'm I'm a very 
I like really practical things and I like things that that take care of people along the way. I think kindness and compassion are really important um, and there's no reason to get hyped up about toilet training. That's what we're going to unpack today. But it's it's just a normal thing. It's just something that every every child needs to learn and every child will learn. Yes, <laughs> which is good to be reassured of because I think sometimes, at least when you're in the middle of it, it's like, will will this like will they know how to use the toilet but they will and it is it's very reassuring so with that tell me a little bit more about how you became a potty training or toilet training expert so um it actually like a lot of great ideas came from a conversation over a cup of coffee and the person that I was talking to uh, at the time was my sister and my sister is a maternal and child health nurse so she had been noticing that mums coming to see her with with toddlers were getting were much more anxious than the, than she'd ever seen them before. So we were having this conversation, and my background was in education, and she was saying to me, "I, I can't believe that it, it, there's just this huge build up and stress that goes with toilet training." And, and I said to her, well, isn't it a skill that just needs to be learned? And she, she kind of looked at me and, and a light bulb went on for her and she said, well, that's not how we think about it, but tell me more about that. Said, well, it surely it follows the same kind of model of learning that everything that we learn follows and and." You know, there's a four-stage process that helps us to learn. We all do it. We all do it with every skill that we learn. We follow the same process. And I talked her through it. Oh my god, like that just makes so much sense. Um, But there was nothing in the space. There was there was no resources. There was no nowhere you could go and find a here here is a here is a process to toilet train your kids that follows some steps that helps you stay calm that doesn't expect you to be some kind of a super mum and do 5000 other things at the same time and so it just was important to me because i knew i knew i understood the learning process my sister was the child development um expert so we put our we put our heads together and said how how do we take the stress out of this and so my business toilet training educators was born from that okay that's beautiful so tell me a little bit about this four stage process and maybe how that looks like tell me about it and how that looks into potty training okay so all learning follows four steps so when, when we're going to learn something, and this is exactly the same for every child, the first thing we start doing is modelling. So we start watching people and we start learning from them how, how we should feel about it, whether it's easy or hard, whether there's, there's something odd about it or, or not. So for a child, they're starting this modelling process from the time they're born. They're getting an idea about whether... Going to the going to the toilet is something that is 
that is disruptive, whether it's a nuisance, whether it's um, shameful, like do we go into the toilet and close the door all the time? Um, do we use words for our kids? Oh, this is so stinky and smelly. It's disgusting. Um, when we say words like that, it's it's projecting a whole lot of things about what toileting actually means, how it feels, whether it's okay, whether it's not. So it's really important when for that first stage of modelling that we're thinking about what we're actually putting across to our little ones. What are they learning from the way we deal with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stage two is, is exploring. So, so in the learning process for us, this is usually when we start Googling and researching. That, that's our experimenting stage. For little ones, they start exploring and experimenting with toilet with toileting when they start following you in and wanting to take the toilet paper off the toilet roll and hand you stuff and they want to look in the toilet to see what you've been doing and all of those things that, that become really tedious. But they're yeah. really important for a little one because that's when they're showing an interest. That's the time to really think about this window of opportunity that they're presenting to you that says, now I can teach them because they're interested in learning. Mm -hmm. And stage three is the teaching process. So we see those signs of readiness, and I can talk some more about those, but our little ones show us the signs of readiness. And the challenge for us as parents is to say, yeah, now, now is the time. Because for, for lots of parents, they see those signs of readiness and think, well, I'm actually not ready for this yet. Yes. Uh, I'd, yes. like, I'd like to wait a little longer. But there's plenty of research that says when you see the signs, that's the time to start. So stage three is actually the teaching process. It's the trial and error process. You've got to have a go. Okay. And then stage four is automation. So stage four is where you and I are at with toilet training. We're not thinking about, oh, I need to go to, I need to go and have a wee. Um, well, that means that I should do this and that, and it, we just do what we need to do. Right. Okay. But little ones don't. Little ones can't do that. They have to think about it consciously. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I love this. So, okay, I'm going to make sure I remember. So the first stage is modeling. Like they are seeing how we model it when we're changing their diapers, how we talk about when they go poop, when we go to the bathroom, they're watching how we act. So the first stage is just them seeing how we are around that. Then the second stage is, you said, exploring, right? Yep. And that's where, and I, yeah, I definitely want to ask some more questions about that, but so we'll get into that. Then the third stage is where we actually start teaching when we start to see those signs. And then after that, then they are just getting in the habit, automating yeah. yep. doing it. Okay. Okay. I love that. Okay. Because yeah, something that I, I really loved, a few things about your approach. So I guess one of the things that I really like is that, because I feel like I think this a lot about just raising kids really in anything. This goes beyond toilet training, but I feel like something that I really liked is that not all kids are the same. And so they aren't robots. I think that sometimes when I like read things, I'm like... I think that some some ways might really work for a kid 
And that those same ways might not even work for a different kid in the same family. And so I like some of the things um, that I've heard you say before that um, their personalities are also going to kind of have an impact when we're going into this process. So first, I actually would love, um, could you maybe speak to that a little bit? How does personality affect toilet training? So when we're going into this with our kids, I don't know, how, how can that affect that process? Yeah, personality definitely makes a difference. And it it kind of fits as well into how children are developing because those that stage one and two I mentioned, you would expect to see stage two, children wanting to start exploring sometime between 18 months and two and a bit. And you would expect to see girls interested earlier than boys and that's just about where they're at developmentally at that age. They catch up in in a very short time. Boys and girls are at the same point developmentally. Personality plays a role there because a more outgoing little boy will will be in the same place as a, as a less um, as a less adventurous little girl, for example. So it's it's not all it's it's not a hard and fast rule. Some kids are are really competitive. So if there are other brothers and sisters. They might they might be interested earlier, and and they might get it done faster as well because they're competitive about it. Mm-hmm. Some other little ones get, and when kids start to really develop their personality, so and we see lots of personality traits. But once once a little one hits three, they're starting to get into exerting their personality. So. They want to show their independence. They want to show that I'm in control here. Thanks very much, but I'll, I'll take care of myself here and push back all, all the time as lots of three-year-olds do. So three-year-olds that are real go-getters and, and busy and toileting becomes the last thing that they're interested in because it's not exactly exciting after the first couple of times. It's not very uh-huh. exciting. Um, but a two-year-old's much more um, wanting just to be compliant with everybody else. You know, they just want to be loved and they just want to have cuddles and so they're happy to to play along where three-year-olds, particularly ones who are going to become really imaginative or really strong-willed, those are the ones that will start exerting their personality and saying, no, thanks, toileting isn't that important to me. Uh-huh. And imagination can play a role because the more, and not always, these are not hard and fast rules, but with, with little ones that have got really vivid imaginations, toileting and or a toilet can become quite a scary kind of place for them. Right. So you know, there's a there's a hole that goes nowhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there's there's parts of their body that are leaving them. So yes. so we want to we want to understand that about them, and we want to ensure that that fear doesn't get an opportunity to become a factor. Okay. Yes. So with that, okay. So. I do have a couple of questions, but I'm going to start with, um, cause I, I guess, so I guess one of the things is 
if there's someone listening that they, because, you know, you said they're going to start to show some some of these signs of readiness, 18 months to two years. And, yeah. and when they start to show these signs, it is a sign that they're ready. And I want to talk more about those signs. But I guess first I want to just uh, address what maybe some listeners are thinking is like, what if I do have a three-year-old or a three-and-a-half-year-old and I haven't done this? Like, have I missed the window of opportunity? And I guess, like, what are your thoughts there on that? So the that window of opportunity suggests that it'll be easier earlier. Okay. But nowhere near impossible. So um, the window of opportunity to get it done certainly isn't missed. Some some three year olds, some strong willed three year olds, will make a decision. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Once it's sort of introduced to them, and they're, yeah, I just want this done, and and you'll barely notice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Other three year olds will be actually. I'm quite happy filling out my diapers. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's not a problem for me. If it's a problem for you, I'm really sorry about that. But that's how it is. <laughs> yeah and I'm sure that you know we love their personalities we love that they're all different like that so how we want to get them to go from no thanks I'm fine it is there, there are some things that can help with that I think so attaching toileting to a routine can really help those those little ones by saying we always go to the toilet before we go to the park like that's it. We always we always do. It's part of going to the park. It's not something that's out there separate. It's we always go to the toilet before we go to the park and we always go for a try. Mm-hmm. There's no do you want to go to the toilet because the answer to that is no. Oh, right. <laughs> every time. Every time. So we don't ask we don't ask toddlers that question. We we ask well we don't ask them we say it's time for a try Mm -hmm. and we want to do that every one and a half to two hours it's time for a try because two-year-olds three-year-olds they should be able to hold on to have a wee for at least one and a half to two hours some some will be able to hold for longer it depends on their bladder capacity if they can't Mm -hmm. hold for that long then we need to make sure they're starting to drink more because we need to build their bladder capacity. So it's really important that we, it's time for a try every one and a half to two hours. If they're resistant to that, then we attach it to a routine and say, so it's it's time for morning tea. We always have a try for morning tea. Mm -hmm. We always have a try before lunch. Uh If they're competitive, Set the oven timer and say, when that goes off, I'll race you to the toilet. Um, mm-hmm. Things things that can help them separate toileting as a, um, we're not trying to separate it, we're trying to make it part of something else. So it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. It's just, you know, this happens as a matter of course. Everyone does it. Yes. Yes, I like that. And making it just part of like, yeah, before we have lunch, we're going to do it. Like, we're just going to try it. I like yeah. that. Um, and yeah, and I actually, so I love this. And I think I want to come back to this. But before that, I actually want to do circle back for some of our listeners who are wondering, okay, so you you named some of the signs of readiness. How? What are some other things to look for that I can know if my toddler is telling me that he yeah. or she is ready? 
to start potty training? So, so there's there's really two groups of signs of readiness. One one group is behavioural, and one group is physical. So the behavioural things that we are, are looking for are some of the things I talked about before. So an, an interest. If you, mm-hmm. if you see your kids playing and they're taking their toys to the toilet or sitting them on the on a potty, then they're interested. Mm-hmm. So um, there's all kinds of clues that we can see there. Lots of little ones also go off and hide. So they'll they'll be they'll be going off to have a poo and they'll they'll squat down behind the couch or under the wherever it is, but they'll take themselves off. Now, that's a sign of readiness both behaviourally but also mm-hmm. physically because what that tells us, poo is a reflex that we learn to control. So if a little one has time to go and hide in their favourite spot, they're controlling that reflex. Mm-hmm. They're doing it unconsciously. So their body's sending a message to their brain that says, I need a poo, and the little one's responding. But they don't mm-hmm. understand that they're doing that because they're getting the message from their brain. Mm-hmm. It can be really helpful for us to say, oh, I can see you're off to hide, you need a poo, just mm-hmm. to join the dots for our little ones. We might not do anything about it at the start. We'll just let them go off, do their poo, and then change their diaper. But if you see your little one hiding, see if you can encourage them to hide in the toilet room. So sit behind the couch, no problem hiding, but why don't you hide in there? It just starts to get them thinking that everything about the toilet needs to happen in the toilet. No pressure, no, how about hiding in there instead? So they're behavioural things. Lots of kids start pointing at their nappy and saying, you know, I've done poo or poo or uh, we'll give you signs like that. Physically, we're looking for um, that hour and a half, two hours bladder capacity so that they can hold. It's it's really difficult to toilet train a child who's weaning much more frequently than that because mm-hmm. they get really annoyed about, you know, if you know they pee, they need a, a pee every half an hour and you're um, it's time for a try, they get very annoyed very quickly about that. Yeah. So we yeah. want to build their bladder capacity by um, giving them a good drink. So a good drink at breakfast, a good drink at morning tea, a good drink at lunchtime. And a good drink for a little one is is at least half a cup. Uh-huh. So instead of, or you might do it as well as, a water bottle that, you know, a, a, or a sippy cup or something that a little one is going to, to, to drink out of all day, but they might just have tiny little sips all uh-huh. across the day, which doesn't build bladder capacity. But if we drink a cup of water, then the bladder's going to expand and fill, send a message to the brain to say, hey, I'm full. And, and that helps as, as our little ones get older. Okay. So, so let me get this straight. So, cause I know sometimes like one, another approach is like when you're deciding that you're going to potty train, you have them drink like a lot of fluids at the time so they can get used to doing it, which more what I hear you saying is 
if you kind of center, you know, at at breakfast, they drink a half a cup about, then it's, it's allowing their bladder to fill up. And instead of them having to go pee a lot, they are getting, it's like their bladder's building the capacity to be able to hold, like feel that they need to go. And then they're not going all the time and getting annoyed that they're getting interrupted all the time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other, the other thing that's really important about that bladder capacity is nighttime. So we, we want, to ha- we want to build bladder capacity so little ones can hold on all night. Like like we hold well before we have children, we can uh-huh. hold on all night. After that, not so good. But yes. but that's not related to bladder capacity. Yeah. Um, but kids who drink well across the day usually have have more success with being able to hold on at night and night is completely different today but there is certainly kids who drink well across the day do better at night okay that's good and I guess that also makes sense because then and we're gonna I would love to talk a little bit about night but we'll do we'll do that in a second too but um it also makes sense because then they're not if they haven't drinking a ton during the day then at night they're probably really thirsty and then that's that kind of adds to the problem if you are wanting them to then if you're going for the night training yeah, and it's hard because they need a drink at night. And so that makes sense to me. Okay. One more question about, so, cause one of the things that you mentioned, um, was bringing their toys to the toilet and sometimes putting toys in the toilet. That was something that when I heard you say that, um, I was like, oh my gosh, my kid's been doing this. And I just saw it as really annoying. Cause I was like, oh, this is gross. Why are you putting this in here? And it is gross. Like, I think we can agree to that, but also yeah. seeing it as it can just be a sign that they're just interested and like what this they put other things in here, like I'll put this in here. So it's cool that they, it's actually just a sign that they are, they're exploring that. So I liked, I like yeah. that you brought that up. They're, they're just role modeling what they see you do. So, you know, they, they see you taking yourself to the toilet. They see you taking them to the toilet. So why wouldn't they take their toys to the toilet? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And we yeah. don't want them playing in there. Like it, it's not a room to be played in. Mm-hmm. Um, to, absolutely but we also don't want them scared to go in there because because we've convinced them that it's really dirty it's full of germs it's it's a horrible place to be you get in and get out as fast as you can because who knows what you're going to catch when you're in like it's yes. it's just important to be really low-key really neutral about it and teach your kids to wash their hands Yes. You know, if they touch the toilet because they, they want to feel what the seat feels like or is it is it warm? Is it, you know, they're curious kids, as we know. <laughs> right. So just teach them to wash their hands after, after doing that. Absolutely mm-hmm. don't encourage them to play there, but ensure that hand washing becomes just part of their, part of their routine around toileting as well. Yes. Okay. I like that. Um, Another question that I had too, because I, I know that I had this question before I was going to start potty training and I've heard other people ask this too, because, you know, say we start to see our kids showing some of these signs of readiness that you've mentioned, you know, they, they can tell when they've gone to the bathroom, they are going off to hide. They, they're showing some of these signs. They're exploring that room. They're interested in what you're doing in the room. So all of those things that you've mentioned, but say, what if like 
we are about to have another baby or maybe a baby has just come. I feel like, at least for me, I was like, well, I don't want to start this right now because then I'm going to have a baby and then that, like, I'm not going to be able to really put time. So I guess my question for you is what if it's, what if we're having these questions of like, okay, they're showing all the signs, but I'm going to have a baby or I just had a baby. Like where, where do I go from there? So, so I think, I, I think there's a couple of things in there. So if, if, you are feeling okay and and so whether you're feeling okay or whether you're thinking I just can't do this right now it's the right answer so if you feel like you can't do it right now absolutely don't do it right now but if Mm -hmm. you feel like actually I feel okay and I'm prepared to give this a go let's just see what happens Mm -hmm. so the really great news about toilet training that nobody understands well I don't think but it's you can put the nappy you can sorry you can take a nappy off and then put a nappy back on kids don't mm-hmm. get confused kids don't they, they don't go backwards or that's not how we learn we we try stuff we like learning to drive so you, mm-hmm. when you first learn to drive you don't drive every second of all the time that you were in a car, you drive sometimes and then other people drive and you're a passenger. The next mm-hmm. time you get in a car, you haven't forgotten everything you learn about how to drive. You right. just pick up from where you left off. Your little mm-hmm. ones will do exactly the same with toileting. So oh. be kind to yourselves. Take a nappy off maybe for a couple of hours in the morning. When you get to that stage three, that giving it a go, Mm-hmm. take a nappy off for a couple of hours in the morning and and take them for a try every one and a half to two hours sit them on the toilet when they would normally poo mm-hmm. um, if they're not regular sit them on the toilet about half an hour after a, a hot drink or a meal for a try mm-hmm. and and then I if if they have a few accidents and, and you're tired or have had enough, put the nappy back on, try again tomorrow or try again next week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I I love that because I think sometimes when we, at least I feel like some of the approaches that we hear is that once you take that diaper off, like it's gone, like you do not go back. And that can be really stressful because yeah, it's like, absolutely. well, then I can't go anywhere for the next few days because it's like, what if we haven't figured, like, you know what I mean? So I really love this because I like, um, and I like that you mentioned, I, I think, yeah, like maybe, cause I think all kids are the best in the morning, right? Like that yeah. just behave, they're fresh, everything's good. So I love that, that like, try it for a few, like take a few hours in the morning and just say like, all right, we're going to take this off. Let them experience actually like going to the, like figuring out that yeah. out. And then it is it is really exhausting as a parent to either have to have cleaned up accidents or, you know, like having that. And so it's nice to be able to be like, okay, if I'm feeling tired and say you are about to have a baby or something, it's like we can just put it back on. Yeah. I love – I think that is one of the most, for me, really liberating things that you, you're you not going to ruin your kid if you put it back on and it's actually okay. Like they, actually, they're learning. It actually makes no sense at all that, that – and, and I don't know whose idea it was, what sometime – back in history that said once you start you can't stop because it doesn't make any sense in terms of how we learned things because 
we we learn and then we we process what we've learned and we get feedback about it and then we think actually that didn't go so well I'll, I'll do it a little differently next time um and we get more sophisticated about the way we think about that as we're adults but the same process is happening for little ones mm-hmm. so the do it all the time. Imagine if you're learning something new and someone says you can't stop this until you're perfect at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. You climb in the walls. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I even think about my one-year-old is he just barely has started walking like almost 100% of the time. But yeah, when he first, like it's like he'd walk up for a few steps and then he'd mostly crawl. And then, you know, like over time it like becomes then he does – Fifty yep. percent of the time he's walking, but then he crawls the other part. But it's true because he's just he's just figuring it out, and then he kind of gets tired of doing it, and he yep. crawls again. And some other kids might look look a little bit different when they're figuring that out. But I just love that that it's like, why would this be any different than other things that we learn? Like we can do it, and it doesn't have to be all at once the way that it should be. So I I really so love that. important about that too. I just like to say because I think this is another thing that's really important for parents in this piece is always when you are starting this, always put a nappy on when you go out. Mm. Don't 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 get yourself thinking that you've taken the nappy off at home, so you have to keep it off all the time. So either you become housebound. Or, or you risk accidents and you're so stressed then when you're in the supermarket or when you're at a friend's place, you're nervous all the time that your little one's going to have an accident. And that's so unfair to you and it's so unfair to your little one. And it's a lot necessary. of pressure. It is a yeah. lot of pressure. So, yeah, just put a nappy on. Yes. I'll okay. be fine. I love that. And I, I will say just from the one kid experience that I've had, that worked. Like it totally worked. It was great because I was, at first I was worried. I was like, well, if we put it back on, is that saying to him? But no, it was great. It, it, it was exactly what you said. It made it so much more of a natural learning process, which, so I can just attest that it really, it was great. And I, I really loved that. Um, yes. And okay. And then the other question, okay. So before this too, I know that you kind of have, um, some suggestions too about like you know, say we're about to start, what's maybe some good things that we need on hand to start, like equipment-wise? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and equipment's really important because there are some physical things that help our little ones. So when when you're thinking about starting, you need to, to think about what you're going to put in your bathroom that is going to help your little one. So to poo... Little ones need something that they can firmly put their feet on so they can plant their feet because physically that helps put them in the right position to poo. So really important they have their feet planted planted on something, not dangling over the, over the toilet edge. That makes sense. The other thing we want to do is we want something over the toilet seat or, or over the hole in the middle of the toilet that makes it smaller so that little bottoms don't kind of fall through almost because that can be scary. So, yes. and, and if it's scary as well, little ones are clenching their bum cheeks. So yes. they can't poo while they're doing that. That's impossible. We need them yes. to relax. So 
equipment with so having something that they can plant their feet on and having something that reduces the size of the toilet seat really important we also um we also want to um we want to be able to provide feedback to little ones that they're wet so either we're going to use training pants which um we have like terry toweling kind of pants that absorb most most liquid but help a little one feel wet but if you want to use pull-ups or or um some other form of diaper for for your two or three year olds which is perfectly fine put some toilet paper or some tissues or something else in the nappy so they'll feel the wetness Mm. because disposable nappies are so great at little ones being dry Mm -hmm. that they actually don't understand that there's any consequence at all to them doing wee there's no feedback at all that says oh I'm wet and a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So just something in the in the nappy or some some training pants. Okay, awesome. So, okay, so I hear toilet seat to be able to put on the seat that helps them be able to sit there comfortably. Yeah. Some sort of stool that they can plant their feet on, and then some undies. Yeah. Whether it's training pants, undies, or if you want to keep the the diaper you can put like toilet paper under just so they can start to feel that it's yeah. wet when they go to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All super helpful. And I will, we'll post, I'll post some of the stuff that I just for listeners, I'll post in the show notes, like some of the things that I use that I thought were really helpful with these things. So, um, okay. And then, so moving into this, I've had listen. I've had friends and I know we asked a bunch of listeners, some of their questions that they would have a, for a potty training expert and, Definitely one of them is I've had a lot of people say, okay, my kid really got the peeing thing down. Like they've got it. They're even excited about it. They totally get it. They get when they're going. But then the poop thing, they get when they're going to go. But there's sometimes this, like the constipation problems, either where they are scared to go and so they won't go. Then they hold it. And then sometimes that creates like a cycle of like they hold it. It becomes painful to go. They don't want to go. So these are like sometimes – this never people don't run into this but I do know and we've had some listener questions how do we maybe address if there is like a pooping issue with addressing that with our kids it's the number one toilet training problem around the world is my child won't poo on the toilet yes (laughs) so so if you're in that place you are in good company all over the world (laughs) (laughs) so I I think that fear is about 99% of the problem generally with kids who won't poo on the toilet. And and at least 50% of those kids are kids that have been constipated. Mm-hmm. Constipation mm-hmm. Is, is a significant issue that we then need to address before we do anything about toilet training. We need to fix the constipation. Constipation is... is most generally, like 60 to 80 percent, it's a really high percentage, caused by kids holding, not by any anything medical or it's caused because little ones are frightened and they hold on. And you're dead right, Caitlin, with why they hold on. A lot of a lot of times they've had one painful poo and they just think, oh, this hurts, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get past that 
a couple of clues for you. Um, in about 30% of cases, or it's higher than that, about 40 to 50, constipation has a family history. So if 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 in your family other people have been constipated, and we generally we don't know. It's not a question you go around asking your family members. Right. But it's fair to it's fair to ask your partner. Is was this an issue? Was constipation an issue for you? Because it's about fifty percent more chance that your kids will have it if you had it. So it's worth mm-hmm. finding that out. And we also know that if we don't cure if we don't cure it at this age or fix it, address it, then about thirty percent of of little ones stay with constipation for a problem into their adult lives so we owe it to them to to find a resolution so Mm. the first thing first thing to do is make sure that their fluid intake is really good okay sometimes Mm. even kids are eating like really really well but lots of fiber but not hardly drinking at all Mm. what the fiber does is it makes poo no fluid makes hard poo. So we really okay. want to make sure that their fluid intake is, is good if they're getting constipated. What, what happens to them is if, if we don't address it, that, cons- that poo builds up and builds up and builds up in, inside their, their bowel and eventually it stretches to a point where they actually can't tell. There's no message going to the brain that says, hey, you need a poo. They, they can't tell because they've lost sensitivity. So a bit of poo will sneak out. That's what will tell them that, that they've, they need a poo. And then they've had an accident. So that can suddenly, oh, oh no, I've had an accident. So if you're noticing... That, and that might happen 10 times a day. Mm. So if, and, it, and it'll just be like little hard bits of poo or it might even just be a, a mark in their undies. But, but that tells you, if you notice that, possibly or not possibly, there's a really good chance that they're constipated and we need to deal with that. So the first thing we need to do is take them to see a doctor, find out, how much poo is in them because sometimes we find that like their their whole um, abdomen is like they're up to their abdomen in poo. Oh, my goodness. So we've got to get rid of that. So mm-hmm. taking them to a doctor, finding them at, finding that out and, and what a doctor will do is the doctor will put them on a sitting program so to poo you actually need to sit and relax Mm. so lots of little ones who get constipated can't sit still so they're busy busy kids who sit on the toilet for three seconds and jump off and they're off so so that we need to encourage them to sit but no longer than five minutes and the other thing we need to do and a doctor will do this is a doctor will prescribe softeners so not laxatives that make a bowel cramp to force poo out that's not what we want 
we want what what's called stool softeners which actually they it drags fluid into the poo to soften it because okay. then it's easy to get out and if if there's heaps of poo in there what they'll do is they'll they'll prescribe something that does that quite strongly to get your little, little ones cleaned out and and then they'll they might be on those kind of laxative stool softeners for six months they're not mm-hmm. addictive they're not they don't they don't work on the the bowel at all so they don't create a habit for the bowel that it cramps or anything like that they're perfectly safe um but we've got to get pooing to be done without any pain mm-hmm. and we've got to get our little one thinking oh that doesn't hurt anymore that's okay okay mm-hmm. so, and okay. then then we want to gently bring them back to to the sitting on the toilet and trying for a poo kids kids who are scared we we want to be kind to them as well so often kids that are scared they're not scared of pooing they're scared of the toilet so they're happy to poo in their nappy they just don't want to poo on the toilet mm. so little ones who are in that place what we want to do for them is give them a nappy to poo in in the toilet if they can tell you they need a poo but they don't want to but you know they won't poo on the toilet then take them into the toilet room and let them have a nappy to poo in then clean them up in the toilet room throw away your change mat if if you've got this going on throw away your change mat you want your child part of what's going on here mm-hmm. so clean them up in the toilet room and if they will sit them on as part of the cleanup, just sit them on the toilet and get them to lean forward so you can wipe their bottom. Um, lots of little ones are happy to do that because there's no expectation that they'll do any more. Like it's done. They've already done the poo. Yeah. So the pressure's off them. So lots of little ones are happy to sit on. The other thing I would do as well at that at that time is I would I would talk, try and separate the poo from them. It, it's not you did a poo. It's a, a sneaky poo has come out. Uh-huh. So we there's for a little one hearing that suddenly it's not their fault. They're uh-huh. not. It, it's the poo sneaking out, and together you and them are the team to solve the sneaky poo problem. Uh huh. So yeah. and most little ones like stuff like that. Right. So yeah. They'll totally. play that game about how how to do that. So if we can get them to sit on for a cleanup, the next thing we're going to do is let them have their nappy to poo in, get them to see to sit on at the end, clean up. Is there any more? You know there isn't any more. They know there isn't any more. But lots of kids will sit there and pretend to try after mm-hmm. because I know there's no pressure associated with that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once they've been doing that for a little while, and when I say a little while, maybe a couple of weeks, then, and you know your child better than anybody, so mm-hmm. you'll have a, an intuition, I'm I'm sure, about, yeah, I reckon they're ready for this now. Mm-hmm. The next time 
they want a nappy to poo in in the in the toilet yeah no problem but why don't we have a try first mm -hmm. and get them to sit on before they have a nappy on mm -hmm. and most kids will progress from once they start having a try beforehand to actually doing their poo in the toilet mm -hmm. and and then and then you're right once they start doing that once they start doing that don't celebrate too much because that's because that's the other thing that happens to little ones we celebrate so hard when they when they get their first poo in the toilet it's like yeah let's ring everybody and tell everybody that they did a poo in the toilet and the little ones are just overwhelmed by the response yes so they, they get yeah. age fright and never do it again yes no i i think that's an interesting point because i think and, it, and again, it probably depends on the kid because I think maybe some kids would totally respond really well to that, maybe. Yeah. And But my my little guy, I think, actually did. I, like, I, I kind of resonated with what you said because I think when, like, if I did make too big of a deal about it, it was almost like, whoa, wait, what? Like, I don't know. It seemed – so it was – I think you could still obviously acknowledge it and even be happy about it, but just not – overly like okay this was amazing you should you know yeah so I, I think that was a good point and for us that that resonated totally it's it's funny one of the things that we find is that because we do consultations so families come and, and see us and sometimes when they come and see us they will bring so there'll be mum and dad and then there'll be the grandparents on both sides and they'll be like this this two year old or three year old, and all they can all their talk is about the toilet and how this little one doesn't go to the toilet and the problem 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 of toilet and you can see that it's all they've talked about and and everybody's in on it uh -huh. and this little one must feel so pressured about it, so it's so important just. Take the pressure off, really low key, really. And remember all the other great things that little ones are doing at the same time as their toilet training because <laughs> yes. they've got other things going on. Childcare educators tell us that it's not unusual to have parents come in to pick up their little ones after a day at childcare and their parents will say to them, um, Oh, did you did you do a poo on the toilet or have you have you not have there been no accidents today before they say hello and give them a hug oh uh -huh. all yeah. it's all the, oh you're in different clothes did you have an accident uh -huh. and these poor little ones who just want a hug and just want to see their mum or dad yes yes yeah it is a lot of a lot of pressure for sure so no I like that 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 we can take the pressure off and then, and I think, yeah, I think that does a lot of good for both of us, yeah. <laughs> for the parent and for the kid. Yeah. Um, no, so I really like that. So with that, I, I've heard you talk about, and I think maybe this is a good time to bring this up of like prizes and incentives. Cause I know sometimes that's, that's a yeah. thing that people are told is a good thing. What is kind of your approach with that? So expect success. The day you decide that it's time to have a try, just, get up one morning and think, actually, I'm feeling pretty good today. We're going to have a go today. Say to your little one, if it's a three-year-old, say to your little one, we're going to wear undies today. And and if they're a little one who likes to make their own decisions and have 
have some control. Do you want to wear these ones or these ones? Um, mm-hmm. if, if they're if they're younger than that, it's oh, it's going to be an undies day. We're going to try undies. That's just how it's going to be, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, incentives before you start build pressure. If, if there's a a cause and effect, if you can use the toilet, you can have this. That that's pressure. Same mm-hmm. with same with language around that. If you can use the toilet, you'll be a big boy or a big girl. Mm-hmm. That, there's pressure associated with that, and it's it's not necessary. It's just just eliminate that kind of stuff. You it's, you don't need it. They don't need to think. Gee, this is a big deal because I've wanted a truck for six, you know, since I can remember. And all of a sudden, I'm promised one now. If I can do this, wow, uh-huh. it must be big. Uh-huh. Um, you only, we only recommend incentives if you find yourself dealing with some of those problems I mentioned before. So, if your little one won't go into the toilet room, that's you want to reward that with an incentive if they'll go in there. So, uh-huh. uh, and an incentive something really really small and things that they like like lots of little ones like stamps or um uh-huh. smarties which are um little lollies or snakes which are little lollies depends on what depends on your child some kids really like coins <laughs> just uh-huh. that can be expensive but it just depends on what you know your little ones like but it needs to be small and immediate Mm-hmm. And for the step along the way, not not the big thing that's at the end of the path that might seem to them like they're never going to get it. Yeah. Okay. So I like that. So what I'm hearing is, if if you're feeling like they're being resistant to any any part of the process, you can maybe offer a small treat or yeah. some or or toy or something, but not like a big thing. Like if you are able to do this, then at the end you'll get this yes grand thing okay that makes sense to kind of take the pressure off but not necessarily having it be um like a regular like this is what always happens it's just kind of like maybe if you need some help along the way you can use it to nudge them along and maybe help bring a little bit of goodness into the process is that kind of what I'm hearing yeah absolutely the only other thing that's that can work and it only works for kids that are over three because it it needs that it needs their level of understanding some kids are right into star charts so to have a chart have a chart on the wall and stick stars on there so Mm -hmm. as some kind of a a record and they like to some kids are right into that looking at the stars and and you might say, okay, well, if you get five stars, then you get a lolly, or then you get a trip to the park, or. Mm-hmm. But less than under threes don't really understand what that's about. So you would only do that for three to four year olds, and we are seeing toilet training much is getting later and later, certainly here in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it may well be in the US as well. It's you know we're seeing four year olds that this is. Um, and they respond to star charts, but they want bigger rewards as well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's, that is good and helpful. Um, I feel like, okay. Okay. So this is all really, really helpful. Do you feel like, um, 
I guess let's maybe segue into then night training and bedwetting. Um, could you speak a little bit to your insights in that realm? Mm-hmm. What that looks like? Yeah. So, firstly, you want to sort out your day, your daytime before you even think about what's going on at night. Mm-hmm. So, don't do them at the same time. Sort out during the day, and then worry about what's happening at night. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some kids will be dry at night before they're dry during the day. And that's got n- night Night time has actually nothing to do with training. You can't train kids to be dry at night. That That's that's another one of the toilet training myths. Um, the reason, yeah, well. the, the reason adults or, or it's not adults, it's obvious, it, 88% of kids are dry at night. So, 88% from six and and then progressively the numbers get higher. Some some people are still wetting the bed in their late teens. The reason for that, the reason for that is that we don't wet the bed because we have a, a hormone that triggers in our brains at night in response to a full bladder. So our bladder fills up sends a message to the brain, the brain releases a hormone that dehydrates the urine. So it it strips out the fluid, puts it back into our bloodstream and, and it contributes to maintaining our blood pressure overnight. So And it's why we've all got concentrated wee in the morning because that hormone works. Mm-hmm. The time it starts working is genetic. So the the age your little ones will stop wetting the bed is whatever they are programmed genetically to trigger that hormone for. So if if you or your partner wet the bed until you were 10, then your little one will probably wet the bed for for longer than the average so later than the six years which is the 88 percent so under that's another thing you don't sort of walk around asking your family members you know right. when you stop wetting the bed but it's actually really helpful to, yes. to give you some insight into what might happen for your little ones and we, and we have lots of myths about well if you get them up during the middle of the night and take them to the take them to the toilet then that trains them to not wet the bed. That's not true. All it does is it empties their bladder. So they might wee less, they might have less volume because you empty their bladder, but it doesn't train them at all to be dry at night. So that's interesting. So we need the the hormone to kick in. So and it will start working as I said. Eighty eight percent of 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 kids that hormone has started working before the age six. For some kids, that hormone's working before they're age two. So they they're dry but at night, but then they are um, dry during the day. Before they're dry during the day. The other the other um, variable is how deeply your child sleeps. 
So children that are light sleepers, when the, when their bladder fills up at night, with if the hormone's not working, generally their bladder is screaming at them that it's full. Uh-huh. They'll wake up. Uh-huh. And they'll wake up and go to the toilet. But it's much more usual for kids to sleep through and wet the bed. So mm-hmm. if they're deep sleepers, they're gonna they're going to sleep through and wet the bed. And some kids will wet the bed three times during the night and not wake up. Mm-hmm. So because they're producing as much wee during the night as they are during the day. So if yeah. they're deep sleepers and their hormones not working, they're gonna wet the bed. So yeah. so some things around that that you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sorry, go on. So, oh no, no, sorry. That's what I wanted to ask was what are like so it's so good to know because I think, yeah, for a lot of us we do think, okay, so like once I'm potty trained, like this is then we're taking it into the night. So I like all there's so many factors that go into this. So yes, so tell me what we as parents, what we can do with this. Yeah. So so the the first thing to do is once you get daytime sorted. Mm-hmm. Start checking their nappy, and not not every night, but start checking their nappy before midnight to see mm-hmm. if it's wet, because ninety percent of kids wet the bed before midnight. So, okay. if you check the nappy and it's dry before midnight, that would suggest to you that that hormone is working. Okay. So if if the nappy's wet and they're under six, if their nappy's wet, just put the just keep the nappies on. Mm-hmm. Because that hormone's not working. So, okay, all, so all that will happen is you'll have lots of sheets to wash. Yeah. But don't do that. Yeah. Just and the only way to trigger so that hormone will naturally trigger based on their genetic profile. Okay. The mm-hmm. only way to the only way to intervene in that is artificially, which is what alarms are are used for. So um, we have disposable alarms that go that go into little ones' undies, and mm-hmm. that, that trigger during the night if they wet. Oh. And we have bell and pad alarms, which are alarms that go onto beds and that also trigger when a child starts to wet. And the way that they work is is they they go off when when a child's weed a ten cent piece size because they have to match weeing and waking up at the same time because what we need to happen is we need the brain to say why what is this why am I waking up I'm supposed to be sleeping what do I need to do to to stop this mm-hmm. and within about six weeks the brain has has triggered the hormone and the hormones working perfectly wow so um so you can artificially trigger it, um, okay. But it it requires it requires that weeing and waking match, and that's why alarms get used. 
Okay. So, so do you recommend that or like after is that six? After six. Yeah. Okay. After six. And, and part of the reason why it gets recommended after six is because it's the numbers get less and less. So only 50% of kids who are still wedding at six will be dry by the time they're 10. So you may as well do it when they're seven than wait till they're 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is really helpful because, no, I do, I have a lot of even family members who totally have this and their kids, you know, like their kids are older and they wet the bed. So I think it's really great because I think they knew a little bit about the genetic thing because they had also wet the bed growing up. Yeah. But it's great because I think a lot of people don't know that. And I, I was talking to a friend. Again, she was actually potty training around the same time as me. And she, and it was like her fourth kid. So she had done it and had no problems. But she was like, I don't know. He he still like wets the bed and I can't figure it out. And I sent her the interview that I had had with you. And she said, she was like, oh my gosh, this made so much sense. And it's just good to know that it's like, for some kids, yeah, they might have like had dry diapers from when they were just little, little, and then other kids, it's going to take longer. So again, I just love that it's like, you got to know what's going to work best for your kids. And it's good yeah. to know some of these factors because it's going to be different for every kid, yeah. even within the same family. So, And, and the reason, I, I think the night wedding thing is really important to, to talk about too, because we didn't know that until the late 1990s. So wow. all, all of... Parent, like today's parents generally if they were bedwetters were told that they were lazy or that they mm. were it was they were acting out or you know all these behavioral things yeah it actually had nothing to it was nothing to do with that yeah totally yeah that's so sad so yeah no it is it's it's like so I think it's again very liberating because um because, yeah, and for most of the time, it's like it totally is genetic and they actually don't really have any control over it. And I also love that you say before the age of six because that means it's like totally within the realm of normalcy for your yeah. kid to go to sleep with a diaper or whatever, you know, whatever, however people decide to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so that is so, so helpful. Um, okay, one more question kind of on this on these ideas is, so say we've got our kids trained and then you hear about regressions, like how kids will, they've been trained and even they've maybe been trained for months yep. and then you'll see some regression where they'll start to have accidents again, but you know that they know how to do it. What's um, your take on that? So, so regression is quite common um, and it generally happens around times that are for a child are stressful or times of change and mm -hmm. and that you might not even notice that that it, there is something going on that that's increasing stress so um because it could be something to do with you so for example um during this at the start of the pandemic when lots of people were working from home that was a real change for li for little ones suddenly mm -hmm. their mum and dad were at home um mm -hmm. and so lots of kids regressed during that period because it was a change of circumstances that they really didn't understand and they worried about. Mm -hmm. The reason it happens is because I mentioned, when I was talking about automation, I mentioned that for, for little ones going to the toilet is a conscious process. They have to think about it consciously. Mm -hmm. we, we as human beings only have the capacity to think consciously 
about a set number of things. So for adults, it, it's kind of seven plus or minus two things, and we can we can get better better at that, but we can still only get up to about thirteen. Mm-hmm. Little ones are, are in the same realm, but they're probably between five and seven. Mm-hmm. Things that they can think about consciously. So if a little one has got things on their mind like a new baby, like mm-hmm. a moving house, like mm-hmm. you know, mum and dad are suddenly home all the time and I'm not going to childcare and I'm not seeing my friends and a whole lot of that kind of, I, or I don't feel well, I or I don't think mum's well, I'm, wor- I'm worried about mum or I'm, I'm worried about what's happening with dad or whatever whatever it is, if they're giving brain space to that, they can lose the capacity to give brain space to, oh, I've got a message from, from my bladder, I need, to go to, I need to go and have a wee. Mm-hmm. So all we need to do, if, if we've got a little one who, who has got it, they They've been, like you said, six months, all good, and then all of a sudden a bit of regression. Mm -hmm. Just go back to reminding them. So just go back to it's time for a try. Mm -hmm. And when whatever's worrying them or or whatever is on their mind goes away, they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But they they need help with the conscious process. Uh-huh. So we just need to remind them and help them with that and and then they'll be fine. Lots of kids also don't actually automate the pro. They don't automate so that go into that space where unconsciously they just go to the toilet until mm-hmm. they could be six or seven. Like there are lots of primary school teachers that say to their kids, when they go out to playtime, they say to their classes, you know, make sure everyone goes to the toilet. That's mm-hmm. because some kids don't have that unconscious connection yet, so they have to consciously think, oh, okay, I need to go and do that. Uh-huh. So, and that's, yeah. that's okay. They will get it. Like uh-huh. all of us have got it. They, they will get it. But some kids just take a bit longer for that part of the process. Okay. Yeah. I think this is so, again, I think every kid is different. I just love that. Yeah. It's like, it might look different for everybody. So with that, say, I think my follow-up question just with that, say, you know, you're reminding them they're still continuing to maybe have accidents. Would you, would you put back on the diaper? Like if they're that far into being trained or would you still just try to like, just encourage them to go and be, do it with kindness and love, but like still trying to like, I, I, would, I would for younger, so for a three-year-old, if, uh-huh. if they were okay with it and and you were sick of the accidents, I would, mm-hmm. I would put a nappy on. Okay. If, if it was a four-year-old, I, I would say, do you, would you like to, to have a nappy on for the next, and I'd put time around it for the next okay. week. Uh-huh. And just, just so they know, they've because a four-year-old wants to have some autonomy and some control, and mm-hmm. and it's an easy thing to give them some autonomy and some control over. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you want to present it as a th- this is your choice, and it's a way to 
it, it might help, but it's your call. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some kids, it'll have nothing to do with the nappy. They just they just don't want it because maybe they've got a baby brother or sister who's in nappies and they don't want to be like that. Uh-huh. Where some yeah. other little ones, they'll want nappies because they've got a little brother or sister and suddenly right. they want to be more like a baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was kind of more my experience, actually. I feel like when you were talking earlier about the big boy, big girl thing, I was like, it actually didn't work for me either because I think my little one was kind of like, but I want to be a baby. Like, because yeah. he, he like had the baby brother and I was like, but I like that, you know? So it's just funny because, again, I think some kids would totally respond to just like the, but I'm a big kid. But it was funny like that. So that rhetoric just like did not work for us at all of being like, now you're a big boy. You can do this. It was like we had to take that out really yeah. quickly with doing that because it was just like didn't work didn't like it so anyway yeah to your point I could see how yeah just depends on the kid okay that's really helpful um okay well you have been so so helpful seriously we are so I'm so glad that you could come on and talk with us and I'm glad we could make this happen so tell us a little more where if our listeners want to learn more about you where can they learn more so we have, we have a website uh, www.toilettraininggeducators com.au and on that website you will find heaps of free resources so there's heaps of tip sheets and fact sheets um, that range from everything from readiness through to wiping bottoms um, and mm. kind of everything in between that that are there so um there, there's also there's a book and a couple of ebooks that but they can be purchased there is also the facility on that website to ask questions. So there's a contact us um, where you can pop questions in and um, happy to respond to those. And uh, we, we do our consultations via Zoom um, as, well as, as well as telephone. But um, we, we could, if, if, you were, if you wanted to have a consultation, we could also handle that. We just need to make sure we get our time zones right. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Cause that is tricky. Cause yes, when we were even scheduling this interview, I was like, okay, did I get the right day at the right time? Yeah. It is a little tricky, but um, no, and that's really helpful. I do want to reiterate cause I have gone to that website and especially when I was potty training and there's so many helpful things. Cause I know we did have some questions. We're just kind of, we are running out of time. Oops, sorry. sorry. Uh, we are running out of time with just your time in and we, we want to be respectful of that. But I did want to say that I have definitely um, used some of the resources on your website with like, we had some questions about wiping, like when is it okay? Like when do they learn how to wipe on their own? And I love it because you have that info on there. So for any of our listeners who want to know more, that website is really great. So we will post that in the show notes as well. So if you want to get on, you can learn more about any of that stuff. Um, so Monica, thank you again. I, we would like to finish up with the last question that we ask all of our, the people that we interview, and that is, what is something that has helped that helps you find the magic in your everyday life? I think something that I and I do this every day. Um, I I go for a walk every day by a river that's near my place. And and I, it's funny. I listen to podcasts while, while I while I walk, but it's time. I take that time for me. So I I do it early in the morning. I come back and start my work day after after that. But every day I take 
time for me in nature and and I appreciate what I'm looking at and I love sort of take just taking a breath and appreciating what's around me and I, I think that's a really important thing to do every day because there is such magic just just in like looking out your window um, oh it's so true yeah so yes that would be something that I do I love that that's I for sure feel like um I can kind of feel if I'm starting to like if my I'm feeling like a little bit more worked up or like maybe just not quite myself. I can tell if I haven't that like being outside and especially a walk, like I take my boys on a walk and I can tell it's like a difference for all of us. And I think it's just, it is, it's nice to like get out, get some fresh air. So I love that. And, and doing that for you, I think, I think everybody needs to find at least one thing like that, that they can do every day that kind of centers them. So I really, I, I love that. Thank you. Um, Okay, well, Monica, thank you again for coming on. We have loved, loved, loved having you. You are so welcome. And uh, I wish everybody the very, very best with with toilet training their little ones and uh, just be kind to yourselves and and be kind to them. It, It will happen. Yes. Okay, well, thank you. I feel like your words bring a lot of calm and I I hope everybody can really like attempt and do this process with a little bit more calm and confidence for yourselves and with your kids. So with that, I hope we can all find the magic. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to use code find the magic to receive $50 off any Gab wireless device, watches, phones. Let's keep our kids safe on tech as they go back to school, but also safe and aware of where they are. So again, that's Gab Wireless with code FINDTHEMAGIC. You can receive $50 off any device. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, this is Tara Lynn, and I would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review. They are so kind. I seriously get like teared up when I read them. One of my most current favorites is from a mom. She says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she'd listen to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on and she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her so I just want to let you guys know that we've had a lot of people say that they feel like we are their friends and I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners and we I totally feel like you're our friends as well so I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review so Thank you. If you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search Find the Magic on Apple Podcasts and then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review and then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating. Thank you so, so much and hope you have a beautiful day.
<clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>